Welcome to Aw Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Kate Thompson. And me, Mark David Christensen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love that we giggle through our intro. It's funny. <laughs> I, feel, I was like, oh, I sound a little sleepy when I started. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that. Okay, good. I thought that was great I'm energy. Awake. I'm wide awake. But I found it funny that usually we giggle when there's a guest here because we have to do it in front of them. Yes. But for this one, we still just, you just, we giggled through it. It's just me. It's just funny now. <laughs> it's just funny to be now. It's funny. This is a very like transitional episode for our listeners. Just to give you a heads up. We're not really specifically tackling any issue or mater- Hellboy material or um, Mignolaverse material. We're sort of just going to talk about some we have some traditional segments, of course, but then we're just going to sort of reflect and talk about our journey thus far with our boy Hellboy. Yeah. <laughs> Mainly because the storyline that we'll be jumping into next week, which will um, go over the course of three episodes, is Darkness Calls. And all of you already out there know that, that that's the time when Mike Mignola decides to step down or aside um, as artist for the main storyline and give it over to Duncan uh, Fregredo. So... I thought it would be a great point to sort of discuss that, why that transition happened, our reflection on what we, where we've come so far, and maybe like our feelings on that before we jump into that story of like having Mike um, actually stop being the artist for the main storyline. Because I think it's a, it's an interesting part of like, I think the Hellboy history. Yeah. So we'll get to that shortly, but we got for you before we go forward, we have a little segment. We can't do without it. All out there. It's oh boy, emails. Uh, <laughs> this one comes from our regular emailer and listener, Drew Campbell. It's titled Garden of Souls. So it's in response to our Garden of Souls episodes. Yeah. He says, Hey, crappers. <laughs> it's been a while since I wrote in, but don't fret. I'm still here. And I have a oh. suggestion. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And he says, and I have a suggestion for something to feature in Hell to Pay. I don't remember if you guys ever talked about the Hellboy statues made by a French company called um, Feribolos Productions. Am I saying that right? I don't know. Feribolos means nonsense Fairbos? is what he tells me. So, you know, cool. I can just say whatever I want. It's nonsense. Nonsense. <laughs> the sculptor's <laughs> name is Alban Ficat. That's A-L-A-B-A-N-F-I-C-A-T. And they are incredible. In my opinion, they are the closest three-dimensional representation of Mike Mignola's art that have ever been made. They made two, Ooh, pr- yeah. two pretty large Hellboy statues, about 15 inches tall. Then a smaller... Uh, um, oh, these are beautiful. Kate brought up uh, to view them. They're they are nice. 100% perf- near-perfect representations of the art. Yeah, super faithful to um, and those are 15 cool. inches tall and then a little smaller than one eighth scale Hellboy. Currently, they have a pre order open for the next statue in the one eighth scale line, Abe Sabian. They are also apparently have a few of the one eighth Hellboy statues left. They are not that, they're not cheap. 199 euro plus almost 60 euro for shipping. I don't know the currency exchange, but that probably is very expensive. Yeah, it's probably more than 200. Or, yeah. yeah, or it's probably like two fifty. I don't know, man. Who cares? If you're a collector, get it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, if you're, I mean. I wish I could afford it and had a place where I could put them. <laughs> how much is it? It's one ninety nine. One ninety nine dollars in euro. Okay. But he says, but they are beautiful and totally worth it. 
Here are the links to the order pages as well as galleries of the earlier large statues. Thank you for sending those along. That's awesome. These these statues are gorgeous. They're really nice. I'm trying it's to, like $225 yeah. American plus the 60 euro for shipping would be like 67, it's, 72. All right. So it's not that crazy. Yeah. It's like if you're if you're collecting, I mean, they're really nice. God, I love the work on just his um, coat. These really Ooh. highly like the like super high contrast lighting that they have on it too, like really is great. That yeah. really makes it feel like the comic with all the like great shadows. They really make it pop. Fucking cool, man. These are incredible. These oh, look are at this good. one by the tree. This is the one eighth. Wow. That's great. I love that they there's something it's European, funny. so he's got his a, cigarette. You're thinking they the were same like, thing. They were like, he smokes in the comics. So we don't really see him. You don't really see a cigarette too much, I feel like. <laughs> you might see like a cigar, maybe? Yeah, Am exactly. I, I feel like it's a cigar. I think he has smoked in the comic, but I feel like an American oh, sure, company yeah. wouldn't put it on there. A very French is like, well, yeah, yeah French is like, yeah, they started. <laughs> that was the first thing they've sculpted. This is great. The Anun. Unrama version where he has his full horn. That's really nice. God, and I love his like stance. He's just like very angry and his. his They just really captured the yeah the the like mannerisms of the character too. Like that's really great. Wow, the back, the detail. Who? What's the name of the guy? His name Alban Ficat. Yes, A L B A N F I C A T. Dude, he's fucking awesome. Now let's look at the Abe Sabian one one last time. This Abe one. Woo. That's nice. And the colors are really nice, too. Yeah, I love the color of Abe here. And then putting him next to Hellboy is such a great idea in the picture. Should yeah. You can see the contrast of their colors. Ooh, that's nice. That is very nice. Damn. Everybody should get those if you can afford them. <laughs> yeah. And you have a place to store them that they can be displayed because they can't just be You got to buy away. a pedestal for yeah. the middle of your room. <laughs> yeah. For your uh, foyer. <laughs> foyer. My Hellboy foyer. <laughs> then he continues in the email to say, Now on to Garden of Souls. Yes. Roger's grave is marked Archie Stanton, which is a reference to the good, the bad, and the ugly, where the gold was supposed to be hidden in a grave marked Arch Stanton. Cool little Easter egg. Yeah. And speaking of Roger, I think in the Universal Machine episode, when you guys got to the end scene drawn by Mike Mignola, you're wondering if the readers knew beforehand that Mignola would be contributing interior art. And he says, I'm pretty certain it was a total surprise. And while we're talking about that scene, do you remember back when Plague, in Plague of Frogs, when Roger dreams that he's a real boy playing with a, a round toy? In this final scene where he chooses not to return to life, he's holding a round toy, wipes tears. Man, I miss Roger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so sweet. This is, yeah, it was a very an emotional ending. Yeah. I, I had to wipe tears too, Drew. It's okay. It was it, I, it was really good. It was probably the most like impactful comic death I've read really like in a long, long time. And it's, you know, as an adult too, to like elicit that kind of feeling is yes. really hard. Like, you know, as a kid, it's like, yeah, I'm going to cry when. You know, I cried watching the Pokemon movie. I cried watching, you know, like yeah, any cartoon dies, and I'm like, no, why, why? I mean, yeah, I'm an easy cry, but yeah. comic books are tend to be a medium that don't get me to cry. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty tough. And I they can pretty it. much count them, I think, on my hands. Yeah, because I definitely cried. My first cry of a comic book was the end, and um, spoiler alert: Cassidy's sacrifice in the end of. Um, Preacher. Preacher, yeah, unbelievable. 
Cassidy's such a great character. Yeah, too. he's so good. Um, that I think I caught, cried also. This is funny because it's the same writer. I, cr- um, I cried, I think, I believe, at the end of Planetary. Oh, yeah. Because it's just such about friendship and like fan and like that. It's touching. It's very good. Um, and I, I'm trying to think of, I feel like there's another one. Saga has definitely gotten me there. Uh, but this is like a real, it's up there moment yeah. for Roger's passing. And his choice. We've talked about it, but it's like, it's his choice. It's not just like a death. It's like he straight up made the choice. Yeah. Which is even harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so sad. It really is. It's great. But I do love that he 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 let us know that like it most likely was a surprise. Because what a cool little Mignola surprise to have. If you were like, oh, I love Guy Davis. Also, let, but I got here because of Mignola. And then he popped up in the book that you weren't expecting. Yeah. Love that. I love that kind of stuff. I don't want like, it's like sometimes on a trailer. Have you seen that? Are you into James Bond? I don't know. I, yeah, I, I mean, I've like watched a lot of them. I haven't watched the whole for sure thing. Like I haven't watched every single one, but I've seen like, you know, a bunch of the Connery ones and like the Roger Moore and stuff. And like the, I've seen Skyfall, but it was like once in the movie right. theater, you know, they have that new one coming. And right. I think the trailer is it supposed to be good. I don't know. It got pushed because of Who Corona. You know? Oh really? Yeah, because I this think shit's no joke, man. And also, I think it's a financial thing. I think I don't think I'm gonna get coronavirus. Do you think you're gonna get it? I don't think I am, but I'm welcome to it if that's the way I gotta go. Is that the way you gotta <laughs> go? I think if you're 60 with emphysema, you gotta look out. Yeah, for and it. I feel like if you don't take care of yourself, you're definitely like if you're not washing your hands. If you say that, hygienic, you're gonna <laughs> now you're gonna get. I'm it. gonna get it. You're gonna be like way. you gotta be the real dirty bird to get corona. But <laughs> tomorrow. I do feel like. I don't. I mean, I'm just saying. I don't know the. Circumstances. I touch my face constantly. I do too. I'm a, I'm not, Hey, I'm a pretty dirty bird, so I could definitely get (laughs) Corona. I'm just saying, I don't know. I have no, I I don't have any honest fear about it. Me neither. I I have the same fear as if me waking up with like the flu, if you have the flu flu, or like tomorrow, my doctor says you have cancer. It's like the same odds to me. I'm like, okay. Mm, It's unlikely. It's, it's unlikely right now, but it could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I don't feel sick. Right. It's crossing fingers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I had a cough that barely has gone away at the beginning of the year. For all I know, I so already you have had it. corona. You have it now. <laughs> or like, I'm like a, a carrier. It doesn't affect me. <laughs> yeah, right. I think that could happen, can it? Probably. Oh, boy. I mean, the world's fucked up. It's fucked up. But <laughs> it, that movie got pushed. And why I bring that up is the trailers for that movie, for me, had like, Showed too many like fun surprises, mm, like yeah. a car that like ooh like he gets cornered and then like guns come out and I'm like why do they save that for the fucking movie? They show too much in trailers anymore. Yeah, because people want it's like all the web you know the websites that we look at for like Hellboy. Yeah. It's like we want the exclusives and the you know people yeah. just want to. And I'm like they gi- they're giving it to people. They're giving them little morsels. Yeah, that's that's a you bummer. hope that it's just a that there's enough surprising stuff in the movie that it's like that's fine that you already know this one big cool thing. Yes. That's what I hope so too. I hope it's like, I hope they're like trying to pull like a Marvel where they like are really like, um, averting me to like the bigger thing. Yeah. Like they think they give us enough. They might even tamper with the footage, which 
I don't think is a lie. I think I love it. I love that they tamper with the footage Who in does trailers. That? Marvel. Marvel does that? Yeah, they've deleted character. They've like gone in digitally oh. deleted characters from shots. They literally shot stuff for throw you in Infinity War you. that didn't wasn't intended to be even in the movie. And I'm like That's fine. People were like, there's like nerds that were like, that's like lie. That's like like more no it's not it's like morally and i'm like shut up they're it's, just keeping the secret trying to make it so when you go see the they're movie you have a better you. experience yeah yes i agree with you kate yeah dude um he has one last thing and this is great because this is what we've asked for <laughs> uh drew says i have to correct you guys finally <laughs> finally i knew we were wrong this whole we've time had to be. <laughs> i just, was like we've been not wrong for 85 yeah. minutes he says that we're hellboy canceled <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> you're you're not canceled off the internet. You're just Hellboy. You're just canceled from yeah, talking canceled about Hellboy. From Hellboy. <laughs> Dang but, uh, it! I just bought all my gigantic merch. Shirts <laughs> you just from bought it Threadless. all right now as we talked. Wow. I have it. Oh yeah, she's wearing uh, one of the gigantic the ones. I gotta buy mine. That's beautiful. I love they're, it. Yeah, they're really nice. Ugh. Well, we gotta get a picture of you before you leave. Oh yeah. Uh, he says the first picture we saw of the Crimson Lotus back in BPRD, the dead did show her holding one of those monkeys with the no masks. Yeah, the little, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's how you say it, N-O-H. So that connection with the, with Daimyo definitely seems strong. Yeah. Also, that picture that Johan sees of the helmet with three eyes looks awfully slim, similar to one of the pictures in the file from the dead as well. So it's like, oh, it's like that big creature right there. Ooh. That they're like the army's clearly unable to get down. Almost looks yeah. like a giant titan. Remind the design reminds me of very Jack Kirby like uh celestials. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But yeah, she's holding it right there. One of the monkeys. Hi. It's funny how that I associate the monkeys so much in a jar that I yeah. probably just didn't register. Out of his jar. <laughs> what the hell is he doing out of the jar? Little kooky guy got out of his jar. Um, but I think he's right. I think more so, can you really jump to the conclusion that because he picked it up or he's related with her? That we can just immediately think he's a threat or not to be trusted. I don't think. But so. I think that's what's great about the book is yeah. that it's presenting like two point of views of like, well, maybe we should, but maybe you shouldn't. I just think it's jump. another great version of kind of a story that they've been telling all along with all of their characters, where it's like certain expectations are had of us because of where we come from or what we look like or who our family who we're related to, and I, I think this will just be another thing for Daimyo to be like. Yeah, maybe one of my ancestors was fucked up, but that doesn't mean that I'm evil or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm excited to see that unfold. As yeah, we go totally. Forward. Oh yeah, totally. I and I still want to see how like you know how characters like deal with that. I think it's another cool ver like cool like thread, like a more if anything more realistic kind of a way, like the closest like human way. I think you know. Of showing that. Yeah, I think I agree 100%. Yeah. I said I think, but I do agree. I'm sure I have some bad, bad family tree people. Everybody's got it. Yeah. There's, uh, right? Yeah. I probably caused some of it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the one. <laughs> I'm the one really. I'm the bad apple. At <laughs> least no. my family would probably think so. I'm sure like three generations ago, I had some people, you know, I, if you're white in America, you probably got yeah. some unsavory characters. You got coming. Swedish and German in me. Somebody, somebody back there is fucked up. up. Something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he just ends with till next time. I, oh, I didn't finish this. Oh, no, I did finish that. Sorry. Till next time, I love you. I love you.
love you. We love you too, Drew. Thank you so Thanks much for, for writing. That's great. It's a great email. And again, we love calling out stuff that we might have missed or corrections. We welcome it. It helps so much. We never said we were experts. We're just uh-uh. lovers of this stuff. <laughs> In <laughs> <No>. anything. <laughs> Uh, and uh, all of you other listeners, you can email us, of course, at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. Before we move on, I guess I don't know what to put this segment in. If it's hell to pay or hell of an, in, hell of an innovation, I don't know <laughs> what to call this. But I, I, if you haven't already as a Hellboy um, lover and a listener to the podcast, you go to your Instagram or get on somebody's if you happen to not be on Instagram and go to the the um, profile for the the account Doom Cube D O O M C U B E yeah. guy named by the name of Paul Conway. He does pixel art, three D art, game art. Um, he posted, I believe this was just four days ago from when we're recording the library. See, he created a game version, like this little brief little preview of a the development of a possible indie game that takes place in the Hellboy universe. I'm assuming you're, you're Hellboy if you played this game or one of the characters, Liz, Ab, Abe, Johan. But he has an interior from the library scene from the Eldritch House from Seed of Destruction. I believe that's... I'm, I'm correct on that. I, I am... I'm just floored by just... It's a simple... It's like only a couple of seconds long. Yeah. But I just think it... I love the style of this video. It's game. cool. It looks like a cell shaded kind of a um, like if you've ever played like no more heroes or anything, there's uh-huh. like these video games that it kind of reminds me of like stylistically um, just like a, the aesthetic of it with like the shading and stuff like that being like these hard blacks. I'm going to pull up the what I'm talking the game okay. I'm talking about. Um. I'm going to turn on the, the sound real briefly and just put it next to my mic. So that's what you're going to hear. Just because I, I think that adds also what the, 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 inv- the tonal environment that he's created with it. It's neat. It's really I, good. I think it's very, like oh, I've never heard of this game. What it's, was it called it was again? That, no More Heroes. No more it was heroes. for like, it was for like the Wii a while oh, ago. Oh, cool. But this guy made a bunch of games that are like really kind of have that aesthetic. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So here's the sound. I mean, you can hear it's sort of spooky and and spooky. Yeah. I love the small sound effects of the fire. I think there's like some thunder coming in from the outside. Is it like a point and click adventure and it's kind of situation? It's like, what it looks like to me is a point and click, right? Is it going to be like VO, dude? It looks like... It looks like point of view, It looks yeah. like it could be like one of the... Well, I guess he never moves in the... Whatever like, oh, this where you can see your body. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's never like looking up or down. Well, he looks much. sort of up and down like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like at the fireplace and at the... Um, but I this is this is maybe a bold statement to make. But this is like the first time I've seen a medium, um, animation-wise, film-wise, that I think is the closest to making me feel like, oh, that's the comic. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what it I. Looks that's the, sort of the tone I get, pick pick up when I read the comic book, yeah. especially those early in like Seed of Destruction. That that feeling of like where everything's like a little off. Like yeah. like it's not like scary jump scares or like rock and roll. It's that like it's eerie eerie. H more than that, H P Lovecraft like 
Did you see Invisible Man, by the way? No, I heard it was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed I, it. Uh, maybe I'll see it tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I encourage really seeing see it. it. Um, that sort of like the way that they like sort of build into the, like the reality of that movie. Yeah. Like, is this happening or not? I want to watch that shit. I also want to watch Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> you heard it here first. I want to go see that movie. <laughs> I want a chili dog and I want to go watch it. Uh, but that's sort of like <laughs> the tone that that guy created for Invisible Man, which has its own purpose for the what the movie is. But like, yeah. I wouldn't say you just map on to Hellboy, but it had that like slow build and again, yeah. heredity, hereditary sort of does that too. But I feel like Hellboy needs a director that can like sort of be like, we're going to, it's gonna a have subtle the, thing, man. Yeah. We're going to have the fun comment. when he fights, but we need yeah. that subtle build. Yeah. And I think Mignola, of course, in the comics established that. Yeah. And so, yeah. Check this guy out again. That's doom cube on Instagram to check out this Fuck little yeah. brief, very 40 second brief clip yeah. of, the potential Just of this game. kind of looking around at the library books and stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. It's very fucking cool. But that brings us right back into really what this episode is about. It's sort of our reflection on what we've read thus far. Yeah. Um, up until now, we're going into a major um, Hellboy transition from Mignola to Duncan Fagredo. I wanted to really quickly, maybe to transition into that, is to read some excerpts from the, the afterword um, in Hellboy Volume 4's Library Edition which include The Crooked Man, which we haven't touched on, but has some other stories we have, including The Troll Witch, The Negalian, The Hydra and the Lion, um, and some other things. Yeah. But this is where he really addresses directly that transition. Cool. Scott Alley has, of course, talked about it in forewords and yeah. stuff like that. And they'll touch on it briefly in the Darkness Calls um, foreword uh, and stuff. But he, he says some cool stuff, I think, in here. And I'm just going to jump right in the middle. I'm not going to read the whole thing. He just says like this, and I love he includes something that I love. Um, after his like first paragraph, he says just by itself, crap. Crap. He'll <laughs> call out for us. You yeah, know what I mean? that's nice. Uh, and he says, so I made the toughest career decision I've ever had to make. This is the decision to write the giant Hellboy story for another artist. I didn't want to do it. I was. It was never my intention to bring in anyone else to draw their regular Hellboy comic, but I didn't see any other way to keep things moving. More about that giant story in Duncan Figueredo, the artist who would ultimately draw in Library Edition Volume 5, where we will collect parts one and two of the three-part monster epic, which is awesome. I mean, that's what we're going to, that's exactly what we're about to jump into. Sweet. And he continues. I just wanted to touch on this too. Oh, yeah. Needless to say, if you've, if you've been following Hellboy for the last few years, you know, I eventually got a lot more comfortable with the idea of other guys drawing Hellboy. Too comfortable. <laughs> and shortly after I opened the door to let Duncan in, I invited in a couple of other guys. I will say I never let that door open too wide, and I think I've kept a pretty good eye on who gets in. It also helps that long-suffering editor Scott Alley always has his <laughs> eye on that door, and he's probably tougher to get past than I am. <laughs> so it's very interesting that he, like, sort of, like, I, and I think we've praised him for this, is yeah. that there's been one guy behind it all. But that's got to be, a, as he already states here, a tough decision to be like, okay, I'll let you in. Yeah. And like to know that it's probably right to do. We haven't gotten to those stories. We don't need to touch on them. But my knowing that I've read before you, and I'd love to, once we get to the end of it, I'd love to hear your thoughts. At, and I mean, when we after we read them and stuff, and by the end, your initial thoughts. But for me, I'm a huge Duncan fan. I think it, I I was following him on Instagram before I was on this podcast. Oh, really? I realized, yeah, I was like, 
I was like, oh, I know the style. Like I, I've so just on Instagram, I'll follow like a ton. Like I follow like hundreds of artists. Right. And like, so like comic artists are always recommended to me. So I like stumbled upon him, but didn't realize, you know, how big in to help. Like I, I just wasn't looking for Hellboy at the time, I guess. And yeah. So it wasn't like, I wasn't like clocking him as this great Hellboy artist, but now, yeah, I, yeah, I've been following him for a long time. <laughs> he is, and I, I think we have a lot of great eyes and I, I put Guy Davis now officially up there as an equal to Mignola due to the podcast and us reading all those BPRDs. But in the course of reading just the Hellboys before we touched, got onto the podcast and, and decided to branch off into everything, which was the right thing to do. Thank you listeners for making us do that. Yeah. But Duncan has been the only artist that for me in actually drawing Hellboy is equal. And sometimes there are moments where I think he enhances it where I go, Oh man, you, you teeter on being a little better. <laughs> like, and I, and I, I, it's hard to say that, but that's truly how I feel. We'll have to touch on it. And when we get to darkness calls, but there's specifically, I just want to say this, a teaser for what something I want to call out is like, I think he makes the hooves. He really highlights the hooves, which I think Mignola has them there. But there's a he makes the hooves. My girlfriend's laughing, or should I say, fiance? Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> uh, yeah, both your hosts are now engaged to be married. That's right. To, their, to other people. To other people, not each other. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird thing that would be. <laughs> that'd be weird, huh? Yeah, that'd be real weird, huh, listeners? <laughs> Anyway, back to the hooves. But the like hooves. I do, like I, 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 I'm, I'm holding off on pulling up the specific picture because I want to save it for when we're talking about darkness calls. Yeah. But there's just things that I absolutely love about Duncan, and that I, I don't know if they ever speak to Scott or or Mike, but it almost feels like through the struggle of figuring out due to like Mignola losing confidence because there's a couple times he starts talking about just like he lost confidence in his ability to draw, which yeah. is insane. I mean, his style changes so much over the years. I, I don't know. Like, I, I wonder how he like self-assesses. Like, if he thinks that he's improving or like, or what? I, yeah. I, I truly don't know. Or if he's just simplifying because it's a faster thing for him to do. Like, it might be faster for him to produce these comics that are like, you know, in quotes, like simplified because they're clear. They require still like a ton so much skill for him to do that yeah um i don't know i i don't know i want like yeah i wonder if he's just like a fucking basket case who's just like any other artist i guess who's <laughs> yeah. like this sucks all right well it's my deadline i have to just spit this out and get yeah. it to them because apparently writing the island sort of ruined him he struggled he apparently he's talked about it in a lot of the forwards and material that like that because you started it stopped it just like yeah. getting it done really like was an exhausting experience. And you're touching on that perfectly. Like maybe it was just like exhaustion from the, just the, the thing. Yeah. He's just like, all right, line, line, line. Uh, it's done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also it's, it's interesting that the transition came after he dealt with the movie rights and that. Well, he doesn't own his movie rights. I realized like yeah. I read recently, I like, I didn't realize that. So like when, they made the remake. They like didn't really ask him whether or not, you know, it, it was he has no like say in it, basically. Which is a travesty. Which he didn't say no to it. I'm sure he still gets paid yeah. some amount of money, which he should. 
but yeah, it's like kind of out of his hands and kind of sucks. Which does suck. And I feel like, I mean, I, I would love, I think we've already mentioned, I'd love to get hold of like his in Golden's like early scripts. Yeah. Just to see if there, what the difference is between what got on screen. And yeah. All. It must be hard with that stuff. Like, because I mean, so he's had such a huge hand in the creation of this thing for so long. And he must feel like this artistic integrity, right? And then you give up your movie rights and then you probably feel like a big dumb sellout or something if you've already achieved some success with the thing on its own. But the thing that you're successful at is already like inherently like you're selling it. You're selling these individual books. So there's like how hard can you be on yourself to be like, I'm a sellout. It went from like this one thing to like uh, just another thing. Like it's not like. I don't know. He's not giving them out for free on this, you know, on the corner. It's not like there's like, I don't know, artistic integrity and like selling out are kind of tough. And I don't, I, and like, I'm going to give him a little credit because I don't think if you're deep into comic book world and you, and somebody like this, where he's like a career, his property is creator owned. It's not like one of these are, it's not like a character that like you wrote for like a, a period of time on like a Marvel character or did right. art and you and you found it's ownership in it, yeah. but it's his. And I think getting, I could see honestly, like when he got into the deal of making the movie, and from the documentaries that I've watched from your box set of the first movie, he was very at the top, very involved. Yeah, creating some. Yeah, of the like he talked to and, Del Toro for like years. But then I there was, was a split eventually when he was like, "Well, Guillermo's got to make his movie." Yeah, and then that's why he thought I have to make the island. In order to split off and make my readers know that yeah. that has so has now become something separate, so that's got to be like. I, I, what, why I bring that up is I think there's got to be like, and I, I lack of a better word, like n- being naive to like how Hollywood or how they're going to treat you. Yeah, which is I think. Yeah, he might a not valid- have known what to expect. Like, yeah, if, if it's like his first foray into like mo- like his first move into like movies and stuff like that, like he might have seen in comics what it looks like. Cause he did it. He was already working for other, like, you know, yeah. making other people's characters. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, he's touched on little things of like how that was frustrating, but it's like, you can't imagine maybe what really I get the occurred. impression that it really stings him to give up control. Like he probably is understandably a control freak about this character for what maybe was for many years and then gave it up. Mm-hmm. And then that must've been very hard to be like, I don't want to give up my character, but I also want to pool like, you know, like, or, you know, just financial stability for the rest of my life forever, like <laughs> yeah. guaranteed for sure. Like, how could you say no to it? It's so tempting and good. Yeah. And you had a, a director who was. Yeah. Like a really cool job. director. Yeah. <laughs> like you wouldn't have to, like you would think you wouldn't have to be like, uh, just compromising so many things, I guess. Yeah. I don't fucking know. But man. unfortunately any, Jumping from medium to medium, I bet you just you end up compromising more than you thought you would have to. Yeah. Um, or more than you're promised. Like, yes. they probably are like, it'll be exactly like blah, blah, blah. And then you end up with something that's way off. Yeah. You're going to be in every meeting. You're going to be, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll have you on set consulting. And then the next day, it's like, oh, they're they're already shooting. Yeah. Oh, really? I read, because he, got, I just sick, read he, this he got sick in Prague. And it's like, that probably. He got sick, but he's probably already a little vulnerable because he's on a set for his own property. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. You were oh you no, saying? no, no. Oh, I was just I was. There's like a Vulture article from last year where he kind of talks about the remake, and that's what I read kind of recently. That was like 
just interesting how little kind of say he has. He was like on set at one point, and I guess he never even met like Duncan McShane or anything like that. Like he was like on set, but they were just never talked. Like he just that's seemed funny. way less involved in the remake. Like it sounds like it sounds like uh, what's his name was like texting him. Um, Neil uh, Marshall or no, David um, Harbour? David Harbour was like texting him questions and stuff, but that was like kind of the extent of it. It sounds like he had a lot less to do than maybe it was like advertised. I guess, you know, like, all this, yeah, like, I don't know. And I get like, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, well, you eventually just have to like make the movie and adapt it. But that's yeah, something so creator owned. It's like, why not use the source? Yeah, because I, I understand like a Marvel. I'm like, I don't really need to tap into it. <laughs> like, I don't Cause movie cause... executives <laughs> think they're experts on it, too. And I'm sure that they are in a lot of regards. Like they they would be fired if they didn't make their studio money or whatever. Right. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. It's all just for a big fat dollar sign. Hell I guess. yeah, dude. <laughs> cool. I want to talk about, you You touched on a little bit of how his style has changed. And I'm like, it's so fascinating to me from where we start with Seed of Destruction in those early stories, how like early 90s Hellboy's design was. And then how where we've come to. And he's just, yeah. and Mignola has just gotten to this point where it's like, before it was like, everybody sort of knew, but he was sort of like, you could easily, you could argue that his early art stood out slightly, but you could probably get lost among other 90s artists, right? Yeah, yeah. But now it's like. You could like understandably confuse them, I think, with another artist. But like, yeah. He now it's like so no distinct. way. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And like if I, anything looks like that, you're like, oh, they're copying Mignola. Like it yeah. would be, it's, he really made like such a signature style. And when we first had Jonathan Baravecchia on, he said as much, basically, he was like, it's crazy to see this now because he had been reading like contemporary Hellboy comics at the time and was like, this is such a wild, like a crazy swing away from what he yeah. becomes. And, you know, not at the time I was like, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Cause I hadn't been like, <laughs> hadn't gotten reading every single one, but it really truly is. Yeah. Like, and you touched on something interesting that Scott Alley touches on one of the four words, I believe about how when they were searching for the artist, to to take on Hellboy, yeah. they would find a lot of artists that just kept copying Mignola. Yeah. And they never had their own. But when they found Duncan, it was like, yeah, he was in the same ballpark, but they he talks about them and a couple other people, but specifically Duncan, how even though their art sort of meshes and almost feels almost in line with Mignola's, they didn't get there by like having Mignola's art on their table and like right. sort of copying. They just naturally found themselves there, which is like pretty cool so yeah they're like oh you wow you just it's still your own we'll get i mean I, I keep wanting to talk about thing. duncan but i want to save it for when we actually get into those issues oh, yeah <laughs> any other things that you like noticed or want to reflect on like in our in our readings of hellboy and like where we've come um yeah i guess uh and his writing i mean his writing's never been bad to me like he's so self he's so critical of himself as far as like his writing ability but i i don't know i've never like read like it's really rare when you read something that is like, ah, I that doesn't sound natural to me. Or like, I think he's like, he achieves a really natural style of dialogue with his characters, given the like crazy fucking situations that they're in, like yeah. the crazy like otherworldly like fantastical shit that's going on. I think like that's always been a the strength of the comic that there's a really great balance with that and. I don't know. I feel like he kind of had, he had that for a lot, like 
it was like inherent in the character, you know, like, ah, crap. Like, yeah, in dealing with a big ass monster has kind of been the fun of the thing for the whole time. So I don't know. I don't I wonder. I also wonder if he felt like he's gotten better as a writer or or how he feels or, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you feel worse. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, you do something, some art form for a while and you're like, I th- just getting worse. Yeah. I'm like, it doesn't bad. Do I yeah. not know what I'm doing anymore? <laughs> right. Right. You like you hear hit that, that a lot from plateau. people that get to the top and then they like, what do I do next? Right. Yeah. Right. But I feel like, yeah, I, f- I think he's, I don't know. I think his writing has always been pretty strong. I'm curious too if he sort of stumbled into the style because we, we constantly hear about how he has like this insecurity about his writing. So I wonder, I would, I mean, it's a question for the guy himself, which I wish we could ask. He's like, yeah, because he went from burn burn wrote the first one and then it jumped. And I, I don't think there was ever a beat miss where I felt like, Oh, this writer's sort of finding his way. But I wonder if a lot of that, it was like his simplicity came from his, his lack of confidence. So he's like, if I just keep it simple, nobody, right. Will nobody can judge me if I only put, if I put the minimum amount here, but then that was like, like letting like, the art talk for, you know, speak for him rather than his like dialogue yeah. or any of that. Yeah. But then it was like interesting that because of that, it just became the style and it was what we loved about it. But he still has like, I think he even like pokes fun at that style. Like he has all of his villains use this like incredibly, like these this like funny ornate like flowery language that you know hellboy cuts off like it's almost like he's you kind of see his opinion of mm-hmm. trying to make your writing look like that a little yeah. bit yeah like i don't i don't know if necessarily he's trying to critique other comic book writers in that way or if he's just like having fun with the like the fantastical nature of the villains and stuff like that. I mean, maybe both. Yeah. I don't know. Probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Probably like, like that's funny you bring up that specific because like the things he's referenced of like old, old writing seems to have that language. Right. Yeah. And so he's more like, like when a Rasputin modern. Rasputin talks, it's like, you know, it's, yeah, it's not a modern voice. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I'm, I'm excited to go into these, this next three part epic story because I think he, Maybe because he decides to take a step back just to write, he really, I think, exploits both sides very well yeah. in his writing and achieves a lot. Cool. Um, and I keep thinking that we 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 keep saying, like, let's move on from the Hellboy 2019 movie. Yeah. And then it dawned on me in re-cracking open Dark Darkness Calls and going forward to the next, this big epic, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to talk about that damn movie because everything this movie jammed into it is from this three-part epic. I see. You okay. know what I mean? So I'm going to be like, well, this is how they did it in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Look how well it's done in this comic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look how it's achieved so well by one focused person. It really is interesting how much. Oh, I guess, too. I mean, you really, he talks about Scott Alley in like every forward. Scott must have such a big say in I would love to just like fucking shadow them, honestly, and just be like, okay, what is your, what's your process of doing this? Like, I won't, I am so curious about what that would be. Yeah, I would too. I'd be interested because I think they're the unsung, uh, among other parts of comic books, like the letterers, which really don't, yeah. even inkers tend to not get any yeah. like praise as the classic, they should. You're a tracer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which Mignola started as, and then look <laughs> at him. But like Scott Alley's, really that thing of like, oh, the editor needs a lot of praise because they're definitely helping their artists and their, their writers really hone in on what they're doing. Yeah. And 
we've seen time after time he's kept them on track. Yeah. And with the BPRD, such, like you said earlier at the top of this episode of like the themes that we're getting off of Daimyo and even Johan, they're all in line with the an essential seed that started with Hellboy of yeah. like your identity yeah. and what your destiny and what your people think you should be and what you choose to be. Yeah. And I, there's no way that, that Scott Alley is not really keeping people on the rails for that. that. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I'm I'm in awe of like how vast they've made it, but also kept it so. If anybody, focused. I mean, I guess I've never even searched once for this ever, but I, I'm like <laughs> now like, oh, I should watch a Scott Alley interview. I never even looked. Or we'll get him on here, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> that would be a dream. I googled his picture. He has extremely curly hair. Oh right. Yeah. It's I funny. just we follow him on Instagram, and he just like posts about his his children. He seems like a good dad. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. But I'm like, I don't want to like follow you because like, That's or like literally my only impression of him was like, this man has some curly fucking hair. Look oh. at this guy. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah, dude. And I, That's and it, it. That's yeah. my only impression of this some man. curly hair, Scott. Yeah. Ringless. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's it. <laughs> I should listen to him talk and kind of maybe try to hear what he, yeah, just what his day to day is. I really wonder. Yeah. Anything else? I know. I mean, I know there's a lot of, there's I'm a lot. I keep reading. I'm glad. Uh, oh, I guess. Did we want to say how fucking Magnolia is basically like, well, maybe I will draw some more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, oh, I have one more thought. And I oh, want to yeah, touch, yeah, yeah. touch on that specifically. I want to just point out that like, I love that he allowed his character to evolve. Yeah. Because I think in comics, I love comics. I will love them forever. But we're used to sort of Marvel and DC style where there's either the DC sort of format where it's like they keep reinventing it or like restarting yeah. and reinventing. Marvel where it's like, God, they just keep reconning everything. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like, it's all one big storyline, but it's like they'll recon as they go. I mean, Mignola has been so brave to just like, I'm going to let Hellboy walk the fuck away. Yeah. And now he's going to like, and what we're about to step into is like a whole new epic that's about his storyline and it doesn't and allow the BPRD to go its way. And I think that's very, I bet comic books net, there's other examples out there, but for him, I think that was very unique at the time. Yeah. To have like this unified vision of like your whole story and not going back on it and stuff. Yeah. 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 And it's pretty incredible now. I think him and like Jaime Hernandez who makes fucking Love and Rockets. Yeah. I need to pick up Love and Rockets. I keep saying I'm going to and I just need to. I keep buying and giving away the first uh, (laughs) like collection. Like you buy it and then gift it? I buy it and then I'm like, you got to read this. And then somebody's like, gotcha, will do. And then (laughs) that's it. Like they just have it forever. I'm, I'm like not even. It's like, you know. I've done the same thing with books for sure. I've been like, we'll do, we'll read this. I've been like, I got Dark Tower. <laughs> You're still I got reading the, Dark Tower. Yeah, I'm still <laughs> reading that shit. <laughs> That's so funny. Or not reading it. Right. Sitting on my fucking table. I do the similar thing. I mean, yeah. I'm reading. But if too much. I'll buy another one and give it to you. <laughs> Great. I'll probably, I'll read it pretty fast. Actually. Can you steal it from Will Hines? He has it, right? I, uh, I bet he I doesn't lend. I think I asked him I once. I bet he doesn't lend anything. Yeah. It felt like a little, like, when we were there, this is calling out Will Hines on the pod. I think when we were there recording, I asked him and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it like, it became that thing where he just never brought it up again. Cause I think he couldn't politely say, say no. no. Yeah. And I was like, I understand. No, if you you're going to dog no. ear my comic books. And yeah. I'm going to be pissed. I'll get it from the library. That's what I should do. Somebody, there's gotta I be bet a it's at the library. They gotta yeah. have a collection. I wonder but if I it's will. a fucking hoopla, dude. But back to what you want to touch on is him coming back. Yeah. So, 
the, I want to read from the same afterward yeah, yeah. what he says about exactly what you're touching on, and then we'll talk about what he has said recently. He says to end his afterward, the artists mentioned above have all inspired me. They have also embarrassed the hell out of me. It's been more than five years since I finished the island, and I was not supposed to be away from draw, draw, from the drawing table this long. The whole writing thing sort of took on a life of its own and snowballed out of control. But now that snowball has nearly reached the bottom of the hill, as I write this, I'm about uh, about a month away from drawing Hellboy again. Not a short story or a one-shot, but a new ongoing series that will pick up where my three-part monster epic leaves off. Okay. I, wanted, I want to thank all the guys mentioned above for helping me keep the fire burning, and I'll be thanking a few more people in the future volumes of the series, but now I've got to go. I've got a couple things to get out of the way, and I can get back to Hellboy. It's about damn time. I can't wait. Yeah. Which is very interesting, because that is, spoiler when he get returns for Hellboy, Hellboy in Hell. Yeah. Which we'll, we'll get to in, a, in quite a ways. Yeah. But be a after that, he takes another fucking break. He like decides to walk away from comic books and art almost after completely. I believe it's after somebody could correct me. And he goes, he decides to start doing watercolor and then goes to conventions and stuff like that and does little like, he'll, he'll post art and you can buy his own little like sketches, yeah. which is amazing. But I'm sure which, it's so great. Oh, it's still amazing. It's like when Billy Joel went and did classical music. <laughs> he did? Yeah, he did. Oh, what a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what's interesting, I mean, he's kept, of course, his ear to his Hellboy. It's not like he like walked away and was like, oh, I can't do this completely anymore. Oh, Love and Rockets is on, is on uh, Hoopla. Oh, is it? Yeah, which but is, is that how I, I feel like I the first one you should that. read is Maggie the Mechanic, Love and Rockets Library, Volume One. Oh, that's great! I should yeah. definitely do that. I I kind of want to read it in hand because they're a bigger format than a regular comic. Oh well, the so yes, like the 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 individual issues are huge; they're way big. But the the like physical version of this collected edition is small it's like oh is that true yeah yeah it's like scaled down i don't know if maybe like they used to be smaller back in like the 80s i don't know but yeah i ha I own a couple of like individual issues but the the like collected editions the like library volumes are all like maybe they're like definitely shorter than a standard comic book they might be as wide i don't know why i don't know i love it I would buy a big ass version. I, I there probably is one that should, exists, but it. yeah. But the, these were the only versions that I saw collected. I'll I'll check it out. Yeah, I want to buy that. <laughs> I want to buy the the format that was originally printed in, at least to yeah. read for the first time. Yeah. Um, it's one of those ones I think I'll avoid digital. Understandable. Um, but back to Mignola. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. This is oh, for our don't second. apologize. This is for our Love and Rockets podcast. <laughs> that you and Will Hunt Which will is do. Yeah, it's amazing that he hasn't done that. A podcast yet i think did we ask him about that was i like maybe. why didn't you do this you're obsessed with it yeah maybe he's just holding off maybe he has it he maybe. probably has a screw it we'll talk we'll just talk about love and rockets coming it's probably in the works right <laughs> yeah. it's gotta be we'll pressure him to do it <laughs> or we'll just do our own and then he'll be so mad that we're fucking it up so bad that he'll have to make his own he'll yeah. be like you're not doing everything right and then he'll make his and right? we'll, that's what we do yeah We'll send him a pilot, like a fake pilot episode. Yeah, like, we'll talk hey. about it for an hour and just be like <laughs> <laughs> doofiest idiots. And he'll be like, oh, they missed everything. I got to do it now. Right. We'll, we'll gaslight him to think it's his own, his own <laughs> idea. 
I love it. It's very uh, manipulative. This is an article I think all you listeners out there should pick up and read. It's from inverse.com. It's titled Hellboy's creator is ignoring Hollywood to do something unexpected. I'm not going to read all of it. I think you should all read it on your own. Yeah. But it's a great little interview with um, Mignola himself. Mainly we wanted to call out the quote that he is quoted as saying, Lately, I've started to get the itch to try actually drawing comics again. Mignola says, I didn't think that would happen. I sort of thought I was done with that, so we'll just have to wait and see how that goes. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. And I think I'm, we'll see how that goes. I think you'll just keep making comics as long as you feel like it. Yeah. At this point, you've done so well for, you know, for comics. Like, they're not going to be like, nah, that shit's going to sell out, so you'll be fine. Yeah. You'll be able to make comics as long as you want. My thoughts, too, are like, I'm sort of hope and i know this is might be blasphemy to the the listeners and people is like i sort of hope it's not hellboy yeah something i new. hope it's something completely new that he maybe has just been sitting on and inspired by yeah not that i don't love it when he touches hellboy of course it's one of my favorites of all time but i'm like i want to see what he like has cooking yeah it's like well because it sounds like he's coming up wants to do something more surprising and different we should read some of his other like his uh um, Screwhead, we got to touch on. Yeah, Screwhead, we got to read. Uh, there, um, the collected the the DC is um, like DC stuff. Yeah, like he, yeah, just any of his other stuff. Yeah, I think we should maybe like down the road. Yeah, we'll we'll find places that we can throw it in. Like once this we're out of Hellboy, yeah, will be a while. Yeah, yeah, but there will be pl- there will be times for it. And then uh, readers, forty eight, we're gonna. Readers, I said readers. Yeah, twenty forty eight. We'll see you there. <laughs> um, listeners, you should refer to us to like. Maybe like storylines or Mike Mike Mignola outside of the Mignola verse, like one offs that you think we should touch on. We'd yeah. love to take your um, referrals for that. Something that we should read and uh, touch on on the the podcast. But that's it. That's it for this episode, guys. We just wanted to sort of reflect on where we how we where we've come from, or where we started and where we've gotten to before we walk into Darkness Calls, which Duncan Figueroa takes over. Um, and we'll talk about that more, of course, in the next three episodes. That's it. I don't really have any other thoughts. Yeah, other than I'm, excited I'm very excited to keep reading it. And I'm also, I mean, I'm also excited that he's still like, for me, I feel very spoiled because I'm getting to this point where it's like, he, you know, I'm sure a few years ago, if you're reading the, reading it and you're like, you have a real worry that like, that's the last Hellboy Mignola is ever going to do. And you're just like, fuck, I guess that's it. Yeah. As a fan, like it must be kind of a bummer, but I'm spoiled and good. I already know, you know, I know the ending. You know the ending. (laughs) I know that he's coming back. (laughs) He will draw a couple of like one-offs as we go. Like there are like, yeah, but the story, main storyline is all. And stuff like that too. Yeah, exactly. So you'll have little, like little, like, like a side of Mignola as you go for the next while. Yeah. But it will, but it's exciting stuff. I really like where this is And I like Figueroa's work, so I'm like not bummed out or anything. Great. I'm, I'm a big Duncan fan. Um, we want to hear yeah. from all of you out there, listeners, your thoughts on this changeover from Mignola to Duncan and going forward in the Hellboy storyline. Um, you can, again, can email us at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on social media as well. Um, we don't typically, we'll, we'll follow up with you just like, Anything you message us on there, but we're not going to touch on it on the podcast. But please follow us on Twitter at Crap Hellboy. Instagram is Crap Hellboy Podcast. Um, you'll see all the episode updates and things on there as well. And if you do Hellboy art, definitely send it our way. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll take a look at it. You know, follow you. We love all the artists on Instagram that definitely touch it's up. It's so cool, Hellboy. man. I love seeing everybody's stuff. Yeah, it's 
pretty freaking rad. Yeah. And please, um, if you're enjoying the, the podcast, we'd like more people to enjoy it along with you. On your format that you listen to us, if it allows you to rate us and review us, do so. My girlfriend's laughing because I speak weird. <laughs> fiance, uh, you fool. Fiance. Oops. She just threw the ring at me. Uh, <laughs> specifically, Apple Podcasts. Please go yeah. on there. Rate and review us. Give us a five-star rating. And if your review starts with the word boom, oh, yeah. we will we'll read, read your review right here on the podcast and give you a shout-out. Oh, that's out right. We will. Yeah, that's called a boom review, people. Boom review. Uh, give us a boom review. But... Again, we'll see you next week when we kick off Darkness Calls. We have a special guest for next week. Yeah. And we'll see you then. Thank you for listening, and we love you. Testing, 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 testing. Ooh, ooh, testing, ooh, ooh, testing, testing. Testing, testing, ooh, ooh, testing, testing, ooh, ooh. Hey, this is Betsy Stover. And I'm Amanda Allen. And we do a podcast called Why Mommy Drinks. Each episode, we have a guest and we all share a story of a time that our kids drove us to drink. Parenting isn't easy, but it sure can be funny. Listen to us on Campfire Media. Why Mommy Drinks. Campfire.